Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Doing good morning. You're listening to the Arts House on Corks 96 FM and C103. It's Elmarie Ma at the microphone with you until 10. Connor Tallon's all fired up and ready to go here in the studio. How do you know that? I was actually going to say I'm ready for takeoff. Like, you know, okay, runway one, ready to go. Yeah, so much happening on the programme this morning. Later on in the show, we'll be talking to Aidan O'Hare, one of the stars of the uh, RTE Sunday night hit Dead Still, which is on this evening. I'll also be having a chat with Molly Lynch, who is going to be performing in Cork live from London this coming week absolutely exciting to see those kind of streaming events happening via the Cork Opera House yeah, and I'm away for the war- the birds as well this week because I'm hanging out with crows and magpies in Lex Talionis, which is going to be coming from the Everyman this week. And I spoke to the director, Katrina Foley, about this show that has taken quite a journey to get there. And also we have the work of the week as well, which brings us right back to 1809. And it's good for a laugh. We have some fantastic live chamber music as well with the Vanborough Quartet coming up in Cork this week and something for the kids as well. A production that uh, teachers and parents will be super interested in. All that to come between now and 10. You know you can text to WhatsApp at any stage to 0833 96 96 96. But meanwhile, we're going to start off with this beautiful piece. It's uh, taken from the soundtrack and the beautiful music cycle of Under Milk Wood.
What's a gorgeous album, actually, if you haven't got it in your collection? The, the album is George Martin, the film scores and original orchestral works. It's really, really beautiful. It's Craig Leon and the Berlin Music Ensemble there with that one, uh, taken from the Under Milk Wood Suite that's called Waldo's Song. Really like that one. And now to something for the children, because the Everyman have been creating superb listening experiences for audiences from theatre and rehearsed readings to, of course, their musical concerts. So now it's time for something for the smallies. And this, well, not quite so smallies, actually. We're talking about up to about 12 years of age with this one. But it's also going to be thereby as a result of that being a, of interest to parents and teachers because you can send off for parent packs and teacher packs in the post as well. And they've chosen a wintry production of The Snow Queen. And Elmarie spoke to director Deirdre Dwyer about creating this production with Broken Crow. The Play It By Ear series has certainly been inspirational in lots of ways and podcasts, radio, all through lockdown, the power of listening became really clear, especially I guess because I'm a theatre maker. So theatre on screen wasn't as exciting to me as film. You know, there's really specific skills made for making films, but somehow things that were designed specifically for audio really did work and they didn't feel like second class citizens in comparison to live theatre in any way. So I have been really enjoying the Play It By Ear series as well. So it feels like a mad throwback um, to be on a Saturday night sitting there listening to something. So, um, So that's really interesting as well. And I'm looking forward to finding out how children get on with the listening mode rather than the watching mode because it's something we're not used to I don't think I totally agree and it's different to listening to the radio as well and it has been a lovely experience I think at home myself and Connor have enjoyed you know lighting candles and everything and getting ready for our (laughs) audio performances this being based for children what you're doing is you're serialising it rather than expecting children to stay engaged in a singularly listening experience for the entire story and I think that's fantastic because it allows the children to absorb and to digest and to work with and explore everything they've been listening to in these little eight minute audio episodes. Absolutely. And they get a chance to listen back if they want, if they missed something. So there's that moment where, you know, and, and we're planning they drop on a Monday and a Friday. I mean, they will be dropping on a Monday and a Friday. So um, there's a bit of time to think about what's happened and anticipate the next one. And the other element that I think is really important, and this was the bit that, that um, w- was kind of inspired by receiving post, is the physical package. So alongside the audio, you're going to get in the post when you buy your ticket a package inside which is eight sealed cards one labels clearly one for each episode and so while you could listen to the audio without anything else and it will make perfect sense and be a really enjoyable experience we're hoping that these cards that you open on the day which have kind of a sneaky little backstory or an extra piece of information about something you didn't even notice in the story and that they will have a kind of a tactile part of the experience so it's physical as well as auditory because that's the thing that I'm missing about theatre is the physical putting myself in that space so it's the physical card. And then on top of that, I had the pleasure of commissioning Ace Irish, um, an Irish-based artist to deliver a unique and uh, specially, specially commissioned illustration for each of those cards. So there's visual art, extra story, and the physical joy of things coming in the post alongside the audio. That was the plan when, you, when faced with how do we make a Snow Queen happen this winter. That was how it came about. But it all then does, of course, come back to the story. And when you're working with a group like Broken Crow, the talent and the vocal talent, just fantastic and exciting to know that this is the group that are taking it on for an oral and audio play. But also you're taking the story and giving it a twist. It's not just a a straight reenactment. 
No, I mean, and so I had worked with the story before when I was on residency in Mary Eye. And the things that drew me to the story are the fact that in a kind of a classical fairy tale way, it flips the gender stereotype. So normally a princess needs to be rescued by a prince. And in this context, I have changed the names from Gerda and Kai in the traditional Danish to Gronja and Quivine. So in this story, Quivine is the one who gets kidnapped by the Snow Queen. That's not a spoiler, I don't think. Um, and it's, it's Gronja's job to go and find him. So it just flipped the gender role. So that always sparked my interest in it. And then in terms of the process, Broken Crow has been incredibly useful and invaluable. Over Zoom, we had rehearsed readings and I got notes from everybody. And then it's starring the vocal stylings of Aideen Wilde, um, uh, one, of, one of our members who is uh, playing the Snow Queen um, as well as as well as the narrator throughout. I could spend the morning fangirling about Aideen Wilde, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'd do her justice. That's the thing. Well, she's got an amazing voice. Just to see her flip into her professional um, voiceover mode is, is always a dream. And so she can be getting and giddy and skidding about and then suddenly the, the professional voice comes on and it's really beautiful, particularly when she's playing the Snow Queen. So it was great, great crack as well. And that was another part of it because our two children, one of them is based in Cloyne, that's Mia Clifford, and then Fionn Butler. So Mia is playing Gronia and Fionn is playing Quivine and Fionn is based in Dublin. So the idea of dragging children into cars and travelling long distances seemed like a really bad idea. So we've been using a podcasting um, technique where everybody can be in their own room. They can each record, but we can all be together. So there was still the element of crack and enjoyment for all the actors while we were rehearsing and while we were performing. But then we were able to get good, high quality single lines from each of the performers. Isn't it incredible how 2020 has brought all these various levels of creativity to productions that we would never have imagined this time last year in a million years that you'd be trying to do something like this or be inventive in this way. (laughs) And at the same time, rather than it being a compromise, it's actually really exciting. It's a lovely thing that, you know, a family can listen to together, but also it can roll out in schools and the family packs will just be for, for use at home but there's an additional teachers pack has been created so Karen Kelleher who's a primary school teacher based in the UK now but who worked with Graffiti Theatre for years doing their teachers packs came on board and has created like 18 curriculum based activities about each episode and so relating to each episode so that is a really juicy extra for teachers if they want to try and um, have an 8 episode 4 week plan coming up to Christmas the last episode drops on December 18th the last day of school well this this is the thing for them then because there's there's 18 activities all based around the curriculum ready for them to deploy in their classrooms. This is the reason we're talking about it this morning. It gets underway on the 23rd of November. A family that wants to explore this at home and have something to sit around and you know wrap up with the blankets on the couch and cuddle in for a couple of little episodes every every week. You can get the entire thing including your family pack for 15 euro which is extraordinary. And then if a school wants to take it on the team Teacher's pack is 50, but you'd want to be doing it this week so that you can get the packs out to the families and the schools that want to take part right from the scratch. Absolutely. So the first episode, as you say, is Monday the 23rd. And so we'd be want- we're posting on Tuesdays our plans to ensure that everybody gets them in time. But if you miss the deadline, don't worry, all the episodes are going to be up afterwards they'll be up at least until Christmas so that if you have missed the deadline and you end up ordering it on Monday the 23rd you could listen to an episode and then the pack can arrive very soon afterwards so while it's lovely to listen along in in real time and be able to experience it as we've planned it it all is not lost if you if you pass the deadline you'll still be able to catch up and maybe it'll be like a Netflix binge 
listen, you'll be able to listen to a few episodes in a go. I love it. Bring on the hot chocolate. That's what I say. <laughs> and the candles and the cosy. Oh, yes. <laughs> I'm there. I'm there. Thanks so much. Not at all. Thank you, Elmarie. Looking forward to talking to you again. Just a pleasure to talk to Deirdre Dwyer there. She is the director of the Snow Queen. It gets underway tomorrow week and all details will be available on the Everyman Theatre website. Another very gentle wee piece there. That's just a little motif taken from the soundtrack to the movie The Theory of Everything, which is a movie I'd kind of go back and visit again. But I suppose what put that in my mind was coding and all that sort of stuff. Uh, listening to Wayne with the uh, the little 80s trivia and everyone trying to talk about that telephone lock that used to be put on telephones long ago and everyone in the house trying to either find the key or crack the code, which was hilarious. I love those little gems first thing on a Sunday morning. Now then, it's really great to see live Triskel returning to the Triskel, live music rather, <laughs> returning to the Triskel. And the Triskel actually also, of course, flew the flag for our classical musicians here in Cork during lockdown one as well. Now this week they're kicking things off on Friday with the Vanbrugh Quartet and Elmer had a chat with violinist Keith Pascoe. Keith, it's great to talk to you. It's a miserable Saturday morning in Cork and I know you're heading down to Triskel for a rehearsal, which is super exciting, isn't it? To be rehearsing live music for a concert. <laughs> Elmarie, lovely to hear you too. Um, yeah, it's, very, it's an unusual occurrence, I have to say, because I think it's only the, the fifth concert of the whole year I've actually played in so it's always fingers crossed you never know if it's going to happen and then I suppose we are lucky I suppose being a string quartet and you know you'd know yourself you're very very vital at the moment to all of us and I think we're quite lucky as a string quartet because I suppose we can be socially distanced the four of us and still make it work Mm -hmm. you know which is harder for an orchestra or impossible for a choir so you know I I suppose we are on the lucky side of, of the horrible year that we're in Yes. Now, I know it is easier for the Vanbrugh to come together like this, all right. But at the same time, you did say this is basically around like the fifth concert of the entire year, which is unthinkable otherwise. And I know, like, I loved listening and tuning into your concerts that you played from home and the garden and everything. It was fantastic in lockdown. Like, has it been to use the, the figurative term, has it been like cutting off an arm for you? Or have you decided this is something I can park, I can practice the way myself, and have you turned to other things in the meantime? I think like everybody, it's been a time for introspection as well as kind of thinking about what other job could I possibly do if I didn't do oh, this. No. <laughs> yeah, I was looking at radio presenting actually. It sounds like a really good idea. <laughs> <laughs> Bring but, it um, on. <laughs> Bring it on. No, but to be honest, 
there is a positive side to it. Yes, I looked into lots of repertoire myself and discovered really how much I love music, which, you know, I always assumed I did. <laughs> it's just I actually That's kind of really lucky. discovered. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I discovered I did actually love it, so which is quite a nice, you know, positive thing that's come out of it. So I learned lots of new repertoire, did silly things online and, and, and crazy commissions and things, and it was, it was great fun. It comes now that 2020 is a year that we would have been remembering in classical circles for it being the 250th anniversary of Beethoven's, and that kind of went nearly by the by as such, but right before the curtain comes down, boom, in you're there to do it. And it begins with this concert of two quartets next Saturday. Two really kind of happy, joyful quartets. I'm going to get you to tell us just a little bit about the two of them. Well, I suppose we're playing an early quartet, 18 number two, which is actually the first string quartet he ever wrote. And it's a, it's a fabulously uplifting piece. And in fact, it's so special because unlike Mozart and Haydn, he actually introduced the notion of silence into music, which is, we've all been experiencing quite a lot of silence this year, but, but he introduced it into his music, which is quite phenomenal. Uh, and you don't really notice it unless you think about it, why is his music so effective? And you think, oh, he uses silence. It's not continuous music like you'd find in Haydn, Mozart, and other, others, of course. So we're playing this very first quartet he ever wrote in 1805, I think, I think off the top of my head. And then we're playing Over 74, which is a middle work, given a nickname The Half, because it has this wonderful sort of pizzicato, plucked strings effect, which is really beautiful. Funny enough, I've been reading his letters, and, and do you know what I recommend to any of your listeners if they've never read Beethoven's letters? In three volumes, translated by Emily Anderson, who was from Galway, and she's made the most wonderful translation of Beethoven's letters. It's like reading... Tolstoy or something. It's like right. it's like war and peace. It's 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 kind of going through history, and you can dip in and out. And it, it's uh, really recommend that as Christmas present for somebody. I never imagined there'd be a, a translation like that. I mean, I know that at the time that he was writing this first quartet, he was still a pupil of Haydn's himself at the time, wasn't he? Yes, he was. And strangely, he doesn't start writing his letters till his late twenties, and already he's encountering his problems with his hearing and his other ailments, which he wow. was, you know, at that time, I suppose, you know, medicine wasn't like it is today. And um, so he was he was definitely um, forging out, uh, unlike other classical composers, into make himself the composer, make that a, a job itself, rather than relying on... on working in, in, in palaces with, mm-hmm. with princes and, and like the like Haydn had to in Esterhazy and Mozart as well, who didn't really suit that at all. But um he was definitely branching out on his own. Obviously he had to make like fan lots of sponsors uh, via all the princes and the Lopkovitzes, lots of Russian names and, and Hungarian names you'll find in his letters, his writing for money from them and and actually he had them you know, running around the block for him. He was just amazing if you read his letters. Very humorous and uh, big-hearted person, you can tell. You know, he, he wears his heart on his sleeve. Yeah. What is the name of that book of, of collected letters? And who who is the person again? Who- oh, yeah, Emily Anderson. She's such a, a well-respected figure in Galway. You know, the Galway music people know very much about her. Also, she translated Mozart's letters. She was quite amazing, really. But uh, the Beethoven letters, I do recommend. Can't put them down. Keith, it's so lovely talking to you. Yeah, and you too. Isn't it great? Isn't I'm, it great? Gra- I'm delighted that we have like a, a little book recommendation there, which sounds yeah. fascinating. <laughs> but a gorgeous concert to look forward to next Saturday. Enjoy the rehearsals this afternoon. And we're going to listen to a tiny little clip 
Championship of the Quartet in G Major next. Thanks, Elmarie. Thank you. Yes, of course, Elmarie and Keith both made a mistake. It's next Friday, isn't yes, it? Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> that concert with the Vanbrugh. Isn't that just beautiful? I'm going to have to fade out of it, unfortunately, because we have to head to New Centre. But that is Beethoven's Quartet in G Major, Opus 18, number two. And it's one of the pieces you can hear with the Vanbrugh next Friday from the Triskel at 8 o'clock. The Arts House with Griffin's Potatoes Cork. Fresh, flowery and full of taste. It's at the root of what we do. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Thanks, William Jess. That's Jess Lean in the newsroom. Now then, it's time to see what's in the front page of the papers with Connor. I'm going to start on the front page of the Business Post with a headline that says infections crisis linked to deaths of three babies at the Rotunda. A KPMG report warns of, quote, intolerable patient safety crisis at leading maternity hospital. And that's the main story on the front page of the Business Post. The Irish Sun on Sunday leads with McGuigan, my hell, boxing legend's only interview. That's an exclusive with Stephen Breen where he says that basically he's glad that the six million Frampton case is over. That's the Irish Sun on Sunday. The Irish Mail on Sunday leads with use vaccine or quote, you lose it. Pfizer jab could be withheld if it can't be rolled out, says expert. Government must prove that it has enough syringes and dry, dry ice. Public health GPs don't have facilities to deliver immunisation. Michael O'Farrell, the investigations editor, says that it is imperative that the state can administer the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine efficiently in a tight schedule or Ireland risks losing its place in the queue, according to experts. That's the Irish Mail on Sunday. The Sunday Independent leads with Golfgate. No appetite no appetite to impeach Wolf over Golfgate. Period of reflection called for constitutional crisis looming. And over a picture of Tishuk Nihal Martin, we have a quote. We get it. People are tired. They want a meaningful Christmas. And then down the bottom of the front page, we have Brent Brendan O'Connor and the heading of his piece is called The Empty Seats at the Table. Basically, Brendan O'Connor 
Maguire saying that a nanny state is a two-way street and in order for the state to be a nanny, we have to be children. And he writes later on in the article that Neffet and the government, seemingly recognising that we want to be treated like children, have basically used a parental tactic against us. Behave yourselves now until the end of the month <laughs> and you'll never know what you might get for Christmas. <laughs> and we're saying, tell us now. We want to know now. What is it? And they're saying, no, that's why it's called a surprise. Okay. It'll ruin for you if we tell you now. And that's uh, Brendan O'Connor's little piece there on the front page of the Sunday Independent and on to the Sunday Times. The main stories there are politicians close ranks to spare Wolf the Axe and there's two interesting stories also on the front page of the Sunday Times where Croke Park has been pitched as a law court to call, uh, Colin Coyle reports saying that those appearing in Croke Park next year will have to worry about more than just Pat Pat Spillane's verdict. That is because (laughs) the court service has applied for permission to use three levels of the stadium's conference centre to host up to three trials at a time from January to July. Yes, of course, because they're not going to be in use at all. All those big conference suites with their schmoozing. So there you go. (laughs) But the final story is uh, under the heading on the front page of the Sunday Times. Garthy lack power to clip wings of airport drinkers. Julian Corr tells us that Gardaí say that they have no powers to stop people buying cheap one-way flights in order to drink in the departure lounges of airports which have remained open while every other pub in the country is shut. One group of tipplers from South Dublin boasted on Facebook last week that they'd bought €9.99 flights out of Ireland purely in order to drink pints at the airside bar for several hours. They then left the terminal building on foot. Oh my God. So this is not a breach of public health guidelines according to Gardaí. They say that as long as people who've had a valid boarding pass and buy a nine euro meal, they can buy alcohol at the airport bars even if they never board a flight. (laughs) Oh my (laughs) God, that's talking about not observing the spirit of the law, never mind the letter of the law. Well, they're drinking the spirit of the law anyway, that's it. (laughs) Spirits of one way, another way. fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away. If you can use some exotic booze, there's a bar in far Bombay. Come on and fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away. Come fly with me, let's float down to Peru. In Lama Land, there's a one-man band, and he'll toot his flute for you. Come on, fly with me, let's take off in the blue. Once I get you up there, where the air is rarefied, we'll just glide starry-eyed. Once I get you up there, I'll be holding you so near You may hear all the angels cheer Because we're together Weather-wise, it's such a lovely day Just say the words and we'll beat the birds Down to Acapulco Bay It is perfect for a flying honeymoon They say 
Come fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away. Once I get you up there Where the air is rarefied We'll just glide Starry-eyed Once I get you up there I'll be holding you so very near You might even hear A whole gang of cheers Just because we're together Weather-wise, it's such a cuckoo day You just say those words And we'll take our birds down to Acapulco Bay It's so perfect for a flying honeymoon Oh, babe, come fly with me Let's fly, let's fly Pack up, let's fly away And you can hear all your favourite Christmas hits streaming non-stop right now. Uh, but don't tune in until we're finished here. How about that? We'll make that deal with you. 96fm.ie or on the Cork's 96fm phone app. Or if you're doing maybe something like a bit of Christmas baking or something like that this week, throw it on in the background. It's Cork's 96 Mass, exclusively from us here at Cork's 96fm. Cork's 96fm and C103. The Arts House. It only dawned on me when I was looking at this week's work of the week that, in fact, this week was also Science Week. So, in the interest of the marriage of science and art, I decided to consult an expert on the whole area, Assistant Curator Michael Waldron. You know, Michael, it never occurred to me that when you chose this week's work of the week, it was a result of it being Science Week, which I have been following with great interest altogether. And of course, it all makes sense to me now. But before we give away what this week's work of the week is, before we talk about things art and science at the same time, are you a fan of like collective nouns you know the names for collections of things I don't know if I'm a fan but I, they are fascinating and I, I do love to know which, which is which Yeah, I have a few favourites I think why Why? where are you taking us well you've taken us there as well it's my way of kind of gently letting the audience in I mean everyone knows like we've got a flock of birds or a herd of cows or things like that did you know there's such a thing as a bike of bees it's actually an old English word for a swarm or other ones that I thought were interesting were like a nest of rumours, a glaring of cats. (laughs) (laughs) That's perfect. (laughs) And a sneer of butlers, you know. (laughs) 
Oh, wow. Murder of Crows is good. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's up to you now. This week's work of the week, what's it called? Well, it's called, it has two titles. Yeah. But the, the one we're going with is A Consultation of Physicians. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and when you look at it, yes, it's taking you back, oh, a couple of hundred years. This print takes us, I suppose, back to the start of the 19th century. So it was printed in 1809. Yeah. But it's itself a version of a much earlier print from 1736. Ah. So we're kind of leapfrogging back in time through this through this image. Actually, I looked up the original that it was based on and this this version the consultation of physicians is by a guy called Thomas Cook, but it's after another artist, very famous artist, Hogarth, William Hogarth, and his original piece was called A Company of Undertakers. Which I mean <laughs> Sounds a little bit bonkers. How do we get from physicians to undertakers? Well, <laughs> I suppose it's because it is a satirical print. Yeah. It's poking fun, but it's a very knowing humour, a humour that people would have really readily understood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's because almost 300 years ago, the practice of medicine wasn't standardised as it is today. And so people had a genuine mistrust of of certain practitioners who might not have had any accreditation. When you look at the, the piece itself, can you describe what people would see? For all the world, it's a mock coat of arms. <laughs> you can imagine the, sort of the shield shape of a coat of arms. Yeah, I know yeah, we've yeah. been in coat of arms territory before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but this shield shape of a coat of arms, there are two registers. So there's an upper level, yeah. an upper register where there are three figures and they seem to be behind some sort of screen. Yeah. And then the the remaining 12 figures are gathered below. I think it's almost a room. <laughs> They're being looked down upon by this kind of holy trinity at the top. They all look like, you know, like Brahms, you know, the way he, he would have looked, familiar look of a gentleman, bewigged and all that kind of stuff. They're all very full of their own importance, aren't they? They really are. I mean, you know, the, the big, wavy, curly wig, they all seem to have, you know, a walking cane at their chins as if they're kind of deliberating or, or, <laughs> or something. But they all look slightly comical, as if this is really acting out the role of a doctor, but not actually being one. <laughs> it's it's all a bit dubious. Yeah, yeah. But as I said, they're watched over by this trio at the top. We know them as John Taylor, Sarah Mapp, and Joshua Ward, who were all so-called quack doctors. Ah, so it's a collection of quacks, not physicians. So he's actually firing a couple of shots at living practitioners. So it's not just quacks in general; it's three quacks in particular taking no prisoners. Absolutely none at all. And you know they're kind of humour shown. So in the middle is Sarah Mapp, who was known as Crazy Sally, and she was a bone setter. Today we might call her an osteopath, <laughs> but she had no training whatsoever. Just <laughs> brute force, I think. Oh, <laughs> and she sort of scowled at us almost in a, a checkered costume as if she were a clown. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. she's pointing to a bone in her hand. Yeah, yeah. And the Oculus John Taylor is an eye at the top of his cane. <laughs> He's observing her closely, and it's really just. Yeah, it's a bit of silliness, but it's something that would would certainly have inspired a belly laugh back in the day. <laughs> yeah, there certainly would be a laughter of recognition, but there's a kind of a morbid thought at the bottom end of it because there is a, a motto in Latin. Can you translate? Oh, there is. So at the base of this coat of arms, either side there are crossbones. It's a warning. <laughs> a little bit of warning, <laughs> and in Latin it's 
et plurima mortis imago, which essentially translates as and many an image of death. So the idea here is that <laughs> the doctors are not going to help you. Now, thankfully, we have better doctors in our own age. The interesting thing about that, that is a joke on the original that was copied from William Hogarth's. He also had the same slogan at the bottom of his image, which they are uncannily similar to each other. In that case, it was a warning against undertakers. I was thinking about that. In those days, of course, they didn't have the internet like we have now, so things spread in a different way. But they still had similar ideas because today we'd have a thing like a meme. And when I looked up the definition of a meme, referred to as an image, typically humorous in nature, that is copied and spread rapidly, often with slight variations. And this is exactly what we had, a copy with slight variations. So it was a meme of its day. It absolutely is. What a brilliant connection to make with the now, because, of course, before the Internet, this was print-based and the printing press was so powerful, ah. you could spread an image so, so quickly. Yes. So if an artist was a printmaker or teamed up with a printmaker, <laughs> their image could be reproduced and disseminated across the world, essentially, <laughs> yeah. if you wanted. Yes, yes, yes. And what's really interesting about this, I suppose, is that while this version is from 1809, after the artist's death, even within the artist's lifetime, the reproduction of his work without his permission became a major issue as well. So even though he was kind of in the meme culture of his day, creating these satirical prints, which were hugely popular. I mean, if you think of William Hogarth, you might think of Jean Lane or a Harlot's Progress or a Rake's Progress, all of these fantastically popular series of works. Yes. But because people were reproducing his work without permission, an act was passed in Britain called Hogarth's Act, essentially, (laughs) which was the first visual arts copyright law in in Britain. You get into trouble if you reproduce it. (laughs) (laughs) So where did you get your hands on this piece itself? I'm intrigued as to how the Crawford ended up with a piece that was a copy of another piece, with permission, I presume. Yes, there was some sort of license, Mm -hmm. but we acquired it in 1998. So it's been in the collection for just 22 years. It's a brilliant reminder of sense of humour of the past, but also that wry knowing humour, the type of humour that people could read in an image. They wouldn't even have to be told the joke because it's all there plainly in front of them. Well, I've just one last question for you. Your job as assistant curator is to put together and select exhibitions in the gallery and also every week you choose a work of the week. This week was chosen because it was Science Week. I have to remind our listeners that, in fact, you have a qualification, and what is it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm a, I'm a doctor of literature. <laughs> uh, so you're a doctor. Ah, yes, yes. Okay. So maybe, uh, hopefully not a quack. <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> well, we'll leave that up to the listeners and for the viewers to decide whether or not you are the real deal or whether this week's work of the week is just a copy of a copy. Anyway, Michael, thanks a million. <laughs> Thanks, Connor. Fake it till you make it. Okay. So this week's Work of the Week is a consultation of physicians by Thomas Cook after William Hogarth's The Company of Undertakers. This was originally printed in 1809 and can be seen online at crawfordartgallery.ie forward slash work of the week.
really enjoy that one and don't forget of course various things like the Crawford Gallery Cafe is open for takeaway coffees the Gluxman Gallery shop is open for shopping the Lavish Gallery shop is open for shopping practically all of our galleries are selling Cork made and Irish made crafts and arts as well and we ask you to support them because it's also part of Cork's 96FM asking you to make every effort to shop locally at all whether it's for essentials or online or click and collect because we know a thriving local economy here in Cork is good for everyone. We want to support local jobs and we're thanking you for making that extra effort to keep it local this year from everyone here at Cork's 96FM and in that we're proudly supported by McCarthy Insurance Group where you can also shop local for your motor home or business or farm or life and health insurance at mig.ie but we really just have to pull together. This is a big Cork effort to shop from Cork Shops businesses and online. Now it's another great week for new music and new Cork music in particular. Cormacal Cueve continues to release hit single after hit single from his album Swim, Crawl, Walk, Run. We loved this one ourselves and it's the latest single out this week, Pocket Full of Doodlings. Make something of the nothings and what's I know where I fell and will fall again I stepped in cracks, my whole world collapsed When no one could put me back together again You had a knack of making the earth seem flat And drawing a map on the sand You were my pocket full of not so good musings and doodlings A pocket full of love A pocket full of love A pocket full of love can fuel a lifetime of brooding Something of the nothings and what was. I know where I fell and will fall again. Plectrums and paper clips, loose coins and torn strips of old bits. And business cards of people I'll never call on purpose. Make something of the nothings and what was. I know where I fell and will fall again. You were my pocket full of not so good musings and doodlings a pocket full of love a pocket full of love a pocket full of love can fuel a lifetime of brooding greed would make something of the nothings and what was I know where I fell and we'll fall again.
Don't forget, of course, you can find Cormac O'Keefe's album and support Cork singer-songwriters by checking them out on Bandcamp. We're going to take a quick break. We're heading to news next. Cork's 96FM and C103. The Arts House with Griffin's Potatoes Cork. Fresh, flowery and full of taste. It's at the root of what we do.